Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Betting Pros NFL podcast brought to you by PlayMGM. I'm your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. We've talked about the sports betting landscape. We've talked about win totals and team futures and player futures and how sportsbooks reacted to the Andrew Luck news and betting trends that we've noticed. But now, finally, we get to move away from the long view and focus on a weekly analysis. Starting now, we're going to have two shows each week. The first one, which we'll record Monday night, will take a look at the spreads and over-unders for every game that upcoming week. That's just going to be our reaction to the lines and where we think they might move by game time. The second podcast later in the week will address some of our best bets. This, in case you hit your head and blacked out for a bit and think it's Thursday or something, is the first one of the week. And with me to break down all the lines for week one is Sean Green. And usually, I try to give like a five-word description of who our guest is, but I cannot possibly sum up Sean that quickly. He is the co-creator of the Sports Gambling Podcast. He is the host of Sean's Sports Show. He is the co-host of Untied on Mad Dog Sports Sirius XM. He is a comedian and a writer, and he invented that valve doohickey on the artificial heart. Fine, (laughs) I made that last one up. That's actually just a line from one of the most underrated movies of all time, My Blue Heaven, with Steve Martin and Rick Moranis. But the rest of that is all true. You can find him on Twitter at Sean T. Green. Sean, thank you for coming on the show. How is it going? Awesome, man. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'll probably need that uh, heart valve thing sweating out these week one uh, NFL games. So. Oh, man, I am so <laughs> excited that it's finally time. It, oh. it, it, it's so ridiculous. And look, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested, of course, in sports gambling in every single sport. I, Frank, I love the WNBA, actually, and I've talked about that a couple of times. I think yeah. that, that's some time where you can really, if you're if you're paying attention, you can really make some money. But there is nothing like real football to get us going. So for me, this is basically like the last, it's it's like leading up to Christmas morning. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Yeah. And uh, through the summer, the long summer, you're just counting down the days to finally bet on NFL. I did, I actually, <laughs> I hit a couple of parlays betting the NFL preseason. So I'm already ahead of the game, which is pretty rare. Normally, I don't, I don't do that much uh, NFL preseason, but I dab it a little bit, hit a couple, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm already, I'm starting out ahead, which is a nice place to start. That's always great. You know, we were thinking about doing a couple of preseason episodes to to address, you know, betting on some of the preseason games, but we just did not have enough time. But that's good because now I know I can book you for next season, and you can be the preseason betting expert since you're clearly one of the top <laughs> minds in the game when it comes to that. Well, so. uh, spoiler alert: just keep betting on the Ravens. For some reason, okay. they they keep winning every. Uh, Harbaugh's won 17 preseason games in a row or something insane. So there you go. That's a little nugget for next season. I, you can do absolutely nothing else on this podcast, and you have already provided tons of value to the listeners. <laughs> so congrats. Like, like you're betting, you're already off to a great start. So, all right, look, it's opening week. Things are a little different than usual here in that there really isn't all that much recent news for sports books to react to at this point. For example, on any given week, there are going to be injuries or developments on that previous Sunday. But here, other than things like whether Cam Newton is going to play, and he probably will, or whether Melvin Gordon is going to report, and he probably won't, there's not much that's going to make a difference. So Sean and I are going to quickly hit all the lines here. But as I said earlier, we're not going to be giving picks on this show. This is really about going through the lines and giving you our reaction to them. So, Sean, look, you host plenty of shows, as I listed, but this is my show. And it is a no-nonsense show. And I make the rules. So we are going to go through them in the order of least interesting to most interesting based on my unofficial boring rankings, okay? I'd like to – yeah, I like this. I want to – I'm interested to – See where you're going to start off as the boringest game of the uh, NFL Week One. Uh, I mean, look, there's like an eight-way tie, but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna just pick one of them and go with it. Now, for the spreads and the over/unders, we're going to be using the BettingPros.com consensus numbers. That is an aggregation of the odds that are available on the market. And you're going to hear me say this a lot over the course of these shows, but there are occasionally pretty significant differences in the odds that are available in the market. For example, with the Colts and the Chargers, you'll see that you can get a full point difference in the spread depending on where you look. For the Bengals and the Seahawks, there's actually a point and a half difference between two of the sportsbooks. 
And again, we're going to be using the bettingpros.com consensus odds because that best represents what the market is showing. But bettingpros.com will also let you see all the odds that are available at various sportsbooks. So it is a good thing to check out if you're looking to maximize your return on your investment. And as we'll talk about more next show, you can do a ton more over at bettingpros.com, like get consensus picks from experts and you can see accuracy rankings. But for now, just know that when I list any given odds, they're bettingpros.com consensus odds. So, Sean, let's start with a game that few people outside of gamblers and fantasy players are going to watch, and that's going to be the final game of the week, the Broncos at the Raiders. Super late for me on the East Coast on Monday night, just getting started for you on the West Coast. The Raiders here are laying half a point, and the over-under is at 43. Now, when the lines first came out months ago, that's where the over-under was, 43. It has not moved. But the line actually opened at the Raiders laying two and a half points, so it has dropped two full points. What is your reaction to this line, if any? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, see, I, I that's think... right. Yeah, uh, uh, whatever. <laughs> right, that's exactly right. It's just not. It's the most boring. It's gonna, number one on the on the list of boring uh, lines. I, I I think the it's interesting. I'm surprised it wouldn't be a little higher for the Raiders. Uh, the public seems to be somewhat high on the Raiders, and they usually the hard knocks team will usually get a little a bit of a push. I think there's been a crazy trend of the uh, visiting team. Going six and zero or something like that uh, in this uh, division matchup, but yeah, I to me the the matchup here is Vic Fangio at, versus John Gruden as far as coaching. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. Well, I mean, we're going to be watching it because we're going to be watching every football game. But I, I mean, when I when I see this line, it it looks relatively where it needs to be. There's nothing too exciting here. There's no real developments. Antonio Brown is going to play. He was always going to play. It's essentially a pick'em game. Now, it's a low over-under total, and that makes sense to me. But really, Raiders laying half a point, relatively a pick'em. I, I think they'll hold that half a point, and I think the over-under is going to wind up at 43. So again, nothing really exciting here. It's not a game that anybody except gamblers and fantasy players really want to watch. So let's move on to number two in the boring rankings, and that's the Falcons at the Vikings. The Vikings here are laying three and a half points. The over under is at 47. Now, again, the spread opened at the Vikings laying four and a half and a 47 and a half total. So the spread has moved in favor of the Falcons just a little bit since it first opened months ago. Do you have any thoughts when looking at those numbers? Yeah, um, I, I, I guess it's it's kind of where I, I expected. I wouldn't be surprised if this number closes uh, closer to three. I think these teams are pretty evenly matched, both dome teams. Uh, it's interesting to me that they're, you know, the, the betting uh, public has got it so that the Vikings are laying that extra half point. You know, normally you're saying home field's worth three. They're giving them three and a half. Maybe they're just factoring in. I, I know Minnesota has a pretty good home field advantage usually. Uh, that really helps their defense. But again, the Falcons are a dome team, so... I don't know if the noise and that kind of stuff affects them as much as uh, your typical road team. That's right. The surprising thing to me was honestly that it opened at four and a half. Because to me, this does feel everything about it kind of feels like if they're on a neutral field, it's a pick them, right? Yeah. Which would make it essentially three. So at three and a half, I think it's fine. I, I could see it moving to three, as you said. But in the end, my guess is this is not something where I think betters, sharps or the public are, are really going to push one way or another. The over under at 47 is right around, I think, where it needs to be. Both teams have relatively strong defenses. The Vikings certainly have a strong one. Um, so it, it's kind of high when you think about it in that sense. But again, both teams are basically capable of airing it out at any yeah. given moment. And, so and, I, I, oh, sorry. And I was just going to say the Vikings, there's been a couple offensive coordinators and teams that have kind of signaled their intention as far as what they're going to do on offense. And the Vikings have kind of gone out of their way to say they're going to pound the rock more and run the ball more. I mean, they do have two really good receivers, but I, that's something that I would keep an eye on because Listen, if you're running the ball more, it could have an impact on the total. Yeah, for sure. In the end, my guess is Vikings three and a half. At most, you're going to see Vikings go to plus three, uh, minus three at this point. And I'm pretty sure that the over-under is going to stay right at about 47, if for no other reason. And again, both teams have kind of telegraphed what they do, especially the Vikings. Next on our list is 49ers at Bucks. The Bucks are laying one, and the over-under is at 50. This opened at the Bucks laying two and a 49 total. So it has moved slightly. Look, you are, must be super excited about this line, right? This has just got strong reaction written all over it. <laughs> oh, I, I mean... Not to not to tip my hand, but I I've been super high. If you listen to our division previews, super high on the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks and and really down on the Forty ers Jimmy Garoppolo 
has just not looked great in preseason at all, in practice at all. And it's one of those old betting trends of a West Coast team going to an East Coast team or, you know, going to the East Coast. And another trend worth looking at is these Florida teams at home in September. Uh, if you saw last year, I think all three Florida teams went 3-0 uh, and o to start off the season. And with the way that they've kind of adjusted in the collective bargaining that they can't practice these guys as hard. Uh, humidity and heat early uh, increases the home field advantage. So that's definitely something I factor into my handicapping uh, is high elevation teams and Florida teams are where it's going to be super hot or humid, especially early in the season. So out of curiosity, if you were going to predict the line, if you didn't know what it was, would you have thought that the Bucks were then laying two or three or something like that? Well, I guess uh, I think it should be Bucks minus three. However, I know the 49ers the public is kind of on them. So I'm not surprised that they've kind of made it a pick because the 49ers, the consensus I think from the public is, Oh, they have a really good team. Shanahan's a really good coach. All they got to Jimmy G was hurt last year. That's why they were bad. Uh, just swap him in. Now that he's healthy, they'll be fine. One, I don't think Jimmy G is completely healthy or completely right. He also struggled in those three games before he blew out his ACL and Nick Mullins didn't do a horrible job for that 49ers team. Like there's a lot more issues going on in San Francisco than just Jimmy G not being there. All right, so let me ask you this then. What about the total at 50? That's a fairly high total. It's not, you know, I, I think it's probably fourth, maybe fifth highest for the week, but 50 is a fairly high total. I know the Bucks have what may be an explosive offense, especially with Bruce Arians running the ship, but do you feel, you know, if the 49ers, you know, you sound, of course, down on that offense, did you expect the total then to maybe be a little lower, or is it more a question about the Bucks' defense? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Bucks could still have issues on defense. Uh, you're right. 50 for an opening day uh, is kind of high. Um, That's really what, what came out to me. I mean, I yeah. know it opened at 49. If anything, I kind of expected it to go down to 48 and a half, especially, you know, given how hot it's going to be, which you mentioned, um, assuming because it's in Florida, you know, I, I just feel like in the end, you know, guys are going to be, you know, they're not going to be in, in, in ready to go yet. You know, it's the week one. I, I thought because of the question marks on offense with the 49ers, which are right, everything you're saying about Garoppolo is right. And, you know, the Bucks, although they're they're pretty explosive, you know, the Winston was sacked five times in that third preseason game. You know, the running game can't do anything. I'm not sure they're going to be able to score it well. So for me, the thing that stuck out to me was less about the spread. Bucks laying one, I'm fine. I could see it anywhere from the Bucks laying one to, as you said, the Bucks laying three, I think would be fine. But the over under at 50, I really felt like when I, when I was predicting it, that that was sort of, it would have been about a point and a half lower somewhere around there. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the other, um, the other games Tampa Bay hosted in September uh, last year. And they were, they did score in the high 40s. Uh, Eagles, they beat 27-21, so that's 48. And Steelers, they lost, uh, 27 to 30. So it, it, I guess that's kind of what they're basing that, um, high total on. But I, I'm worried about, I'm worried about San Francisco's ability to score on the road. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess, you know, one thing to take away from this is that it, the preseason, probably doesn't move the needle very much from the opening lines, right? Because, you know, the, the 49ers, as you said, look terrible. Garoppolo, other than week three, where he looked passable, you know, not not great, but certainly did not shine in the preseason. Um, but the it didn't move much. The, the line moved in favor of the 49ers, actually. So, um, you know. Yeah, it, and I, I don't think, uh, you know, the betting public, I think, is since so few of starters are playing now, um, I, I think it's impacting even less and less as far as, what they do to adjust the number based off what happens in preseason. Yep, I think that makes sense. All right, let's move to the Titans at the Browns. The Browns here are laying five and a half points. The over-under is at 45 and a half. And this has really barely moved since it opened. It opened at the Browns laying five with a 45-point total, so a half a point movement in both of those lines. Any reaction to those numbers? Yeah, I would say that that kind of makes sense. Um, again, you know, when they're setting these lines, they're looking to get even money on both sides. Uh, and I know the Browns are just have, have been a huge uh, public team. They they just are like they're the they're kind of the darling as far as Super Bowl picks or you know and Mayfield is M and Mayfield is MVP. I, I know yeah. the public's all over them. The public's all over them. Uh, no one's hyping up uh, Tennessee, and so you know there's probably a point point and a half baked into that line. Um, 
listen, Tennessee, they were what, nine and seven last year, Browns seven, eight and one. Browns kind of had a thing last year where they snuck up on people. Now they've, they've, you know, they painted a giant target on their chest. And if you're looking to find value long term in betting, fading the public is, is kind always of a the, always the thing to do. Correct. Always the yeah, thing. Yeah. When in doubt, just go against the betting public. They, they didn't build these million dollar sports books and casinos by being on the wrong side historically. So, uh, if you see a team that's getting a ton of early hype, uh, the public's clearly backing them. You know, be hesitant uh, in taking them, or just know that if you are going to take them, you're probably, you know, paying uh, an extra point, point and a half premium to bet that team. So all that stuff's kind of worth factoring in. Yeah, I, I expected I, the spread is fine. Uh, you know, I have no problem with five and a half. I, I would have felt that it probably should have been in around five where it opened but the the uh, over under strikes me as a little high I mean both these teams are defensive teams um, again it could just be sort of public perception as you said they're trying to get you know basically even money on both sides so it could be really the public perception but it seems to me given the strength of the two defenses that would be more like a 44 and a half you know instead of it moving up moving down my guess is that that's based much more on the money coming in rather than what they expect yeah, yeah, and, and I'm looking over at bettingpros.com right now. They have uh, the consensus numbers, and just as I thought, Cleveland getting uh, 69% at uh, minus 5.5. So anytime you get like high 60s, 70s, I mean, anything that's up around 80, then you really got to like just factor that in to decide you're on. Absolutely. Let's move on now to the Redskins at the Eagles. We've got the Eagles laying nine and a half and the over under at 45 and a half. Now, this is actually one of the more significant movers since the totals first opened. The Eagles were originally laying eight in most places and the total was at 46 and a half. Basically, it looks like there's just doubt as to whether the Redskins can actually score any points. And I don't <laughs> necessarily think that that doubt is uh, unfounded. What are your thoughts there on the nine and a half and the over under at 45 and a half? Yeah, I mean, I'm a diehard Eagles fan, so... Uh, <laughs> can you be objective? Yeah. Can you be objective? You gotta I, put I, I'm a Jets fan, man, so I can still do this. <laughs> I can still get up in the morning. You just got to power through. Uh, any uh, The NFC East historically has been a super competitive division, and any time a divisional game, you're getting close to double digits, uh, I mean, you got to look, look to the dog. The issue here is Washington's left tackle, one of the strengths of their team is is just refusing to play because of his issues with the medical staff. Uh, they're starting Eric Flowers, a right guard, who is a horrible offensive lineman. And, and they're bringing in Case Keenum, who the last time Case Keenum was a quarterback uh, for the Redskins, he got destroyed in the NFC Championship game with a much more talented Vikings team. So I, I think Washington is going to have trouble moving the ball and scoring. Uh, Wait, I, look, I, hold on. Everything you were saying is dead on and because of that how is it possible that this isn't actually double digits that that's really what i'm surprised at i, I mean legitimately everything you're saying is absolutely correct i, I mean i look maybe not I, i'm gonna be surprised if, it does, if this does not get to 10 by the time game time rolls around because there's got to be money coming in this seems to me I, I was shocked honestly when i when i sort of closed my eyes and said okay let me think before i started even looking at any of this what this would be at, at this point Given everything that you just correctly brought out, I, I would think that it, it's honestly got to move a little. I'm fine with the over-under. I'm fine with that. But I would think it would go over. But it, it's worth noting, I mentioned that you can sometimes get different odds at different sports books. This is at 9.5 across the board. Everybody is in unison. So yeah. I must be missing something here. But to me, I, I, I honestly think that this should be at 10, maybe even 10.5, probably 10, and that I think it might end up there when all is said and done. Well, you know, uh, I, I don't know if you... On the podcast, if you discuss key numbers a lot, but for, you know, in the NFL, key number three, four, seven, in a weird way, nine is oftentimes a key number uh, for the sports book. So if, if the spread's at seven and a half, a lot of times, and they're going to move it up, a lot of times they'll jump it up to nine to kind of, uh, they call it teaser protection, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're doing a six point teaser, they don't want you to be able to get the, the game down to three or, you know, under three. And you're getting under that key number of three. So that's why, you know, once it was at seven and a half, eight, and then they saw it was going to go up, they jumped it up to like nine and a half. So if you tease it down, it sure. only goes down to three and a half. Yeah. No, I, I do get that. I, I completely get that. Still, 
this line needs to move to 10 and I, I'm going in. All right, yeah. let's go to the, the only line that any normal, regular sports fan should ever care about. The only game, Bills at Jets, of course. Um, the Jets here are laying three. The over-under is set at 40. Now, this opened at the Jets laying three and a half with a minuscule 38 and a half point total, but it has moved just a little bit up. Any thoughts on those lines? No, I mean, if if you gave me a blindfold and told me to pick the spread, I would definitely would have guessed three. Yep. Uh, very, very similar, similar teams, similar, you know, states of, of where they're at. The Bills, defensive-minded team, uh, Sean McDermott have really coached up the defense well. Uh, and then you got just a real wild card of quarterback, Josh Allen, who's made some plays, have made some crazy turnovers. And then you got the Jets, who they got some weapons for Sam Darnold. I do think Darnold will have a much better uh, second year under Adam Gase and, and just helping him out with Le'Veon Bell. There's certainly some questions, Jets defense. Um, so, yeah, I three totally makes sense. And I think this is a good a good barometer game for both these teams. I think you'll get a kind of idea of where these teams are at as far as yeah, who's going to be runner-up to the Patriots? No offense. Yeah, I'm none taken. I mean, to even be in the conversation of being a quote-unquote runner-up, I will take any day of the week. Um, Two questions for you. Robbie Anderson is likely to play in this game. If he misses the game, I mean, that's the last I heard. He, he was questionable for the week. If Anderson missed the game, do you think that moves the uh, spread at all? No, no. I mean, uh, I would be pretty surprised. If you're, if you're a non-quarterback, you have to be... Uh, really like top tier to have an impact on the uh on the spread usually it, it could be maybe Robbie Anderson goes out and ever a lot of people add him on their fantasy team and all of a sudden they're <laughs> they're pounding the bills but generally the the line makers won't really adjust their number off a guy it has to be a pretty big name running back or receiver for it to really make an impact to me yeah. when I'm when I'm looking at games Left tackle is a huge one, and offensive line in general. And this is again a nice way to find values. A lot of times, you know, Joe Q. Public, when an offensive lineman like Trent Williams for the Redskins or Laramie Tunsil, who the Dolphins just traded away, uh, a lot of times when stuff like that happens, the the public in their mind doesn't compensate enough for that, and they'll compensate more for a guy like uh, Robbie Anderson, who they'll probably be able to still have some offensive production without, but not having a left tackle, especially with a guy like Sam Darnold, if the left tackle was supposed to go out, that would definitely adjust my number and maybe not for the public. Yeah, we're going to talk about the left tackles, actually, because when we get to the Texans, we'll talk about the fact that hasn't really moved very much. And I thought that the addition of Tunsil actually might might move that line a little more. I said two questions, but I'm going to skip the second one because, <laughs> frankly, we just can't spend too much time on the yeah. Bills and the Jets, let's be <laughs> honest. Let's move on to another not all that exciting game, the Lions at the Cardinals. The Lions are laying two and a half here. The over-under is at 47 and a half. This originally opened as a pick'em game, and the over-under was at 49. So the over-under has been steadily dropping. It was 48 just a day or two ago. Now it's at 47 and a half. How do you feel about both those lines? Yeah, I mean, Detroit as a road favorite is historically kind of scary. Yep. But again, that's what Matt Stafford does. Matt Stafford beats bad teams. And I think the line movement um, came courtesy of watching Kyler Murray uh, play in the preseason. So this is a game where I do think uh, watching the players in preseason did rightly adjust the line movement. Huge questions on the Cardinals on the defensive side of the ball. I and just Kyler Murray in general, a rookie quarterback making his first home start. I, I guess it kind of makes sense. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this gets above three at kickoff. I wouldn't be shocked to see Cardinals plus three and a half at, because they're just yeah. It's Cliff Kingsbury's first start in the NFL, a guy who wasn't competent enough to to coach <laughs> coach college football, and then somehow got a. Uh, got a promotion <laughs> into the National Football League. A lot of questions. And I'm not even a I'm not even a huge Lions backer. There's certainly questions about Matt Patricia and the stuff they're doing. I, I think for me the bigger number here was the over under. Yeah. Forty seven and a half. I, I you know, I, I understand the, the questions uh, on defense, especially for the Cardinals, but you know, it, it struck me as too high. And I, I'm not surprised that it moved, um and that it was, you know, originally forty nine recently 48 now at 47 and a half I could see it even going to 47 I I think 
that, um, you know, it, it just it seems to given what we saw for exactly what you said, given what we saw from the Cardinals offense um, in the preseason. And it might be different. I mean, you know, Kingsbury said that he was keeping it vanilla. So you never really know how it's going to go. But yeah. to me, the total seemed to be a little high. Again, that that's right about, you know, where, uh, you know, not not crazy, but I would have thought it more like 47, maybe 46 and a half. Yeah, and, and, uh, and I do think that's reaction to seeing the Arizona Cardinals offense in preseason. Because yeah, I, I, even if they're doing a vanilla scheme, there's still some basic execution stuff that he was clearly struggling with. So I, I think originally when they hung, hung a 49, their thought was, wow, they're going to move the ball in offense but struggle in defense, and now they become less certain about them moving the ball. No, absolutely. And again, I check the lines every day just to just to see where it was. And again, it was 48 either yesterday or maybe two days ago, and it's, it's down to 47.5. So I wouldn't be completely surprised to see it drop half a point further as probably more money comes in. We're going to get into some of the more interesting lines here in a second, including the Chiefs at the Jaguars and the Patriots and the Steelers. But first, I do want to tell everyone about the sponsor of our show, Play MGM. We're talking about week one lines. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking about placing a bet on one of those week one lines. And if you're in New Jersey and you want to place any wager on any sporting event, really, especially week one of the NFL, then the place to do that is on the Play MGM Sports app. Just search your app store for PlayMGM Sports. You're going to see it right there. Download it, and you can place a bet straight from your phone. And PlayMGM has a ridiculous offer for new users. If you sign up to PlayMGM Sports and you use our offer code HARRIS, that is my last name, then not only can you bet on sports from your phone, but your first wager of up to $100 is risk-free. Seriously, use our promo code. Place a wager of $25 or more on your first bet, and if you lose, PlayMGM is going to credit your account up to $100 in cash. Again, that's promo code HARRIS to be able to place your risk-free $100 bet. You must be 21 years or older, and although you can sign up and easily deposit money anywhere, you must be in the state of New Jersey to place a sports bet. Visit PlayMGM.com for the full list of terms and conditions, and if you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's move to the Chiefs and the Jaguars here. The Chiefs are laying three and a half, and the over-under is at 52. Now, the Chiefs actually opened at minus five with a 52 and a half over-under. So what are your thoughts there on those numbers? Yeah, I mean, a lot to unpack here because you got Andy Reid, who historically has done um, pretty well on opening day, and he's going up against a quarterback that he knows with Nick Foles. They just signed LaShawn McCoy. It's interesting. So you said it opened at five and now it's three and a half. Yeah. I mean, and again, th- these are months ago when yeah. it first opened, when it first came out. Yeah. It was at minus five when it first came on the board. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's interesting too, because, um, yeah, I would think it could even be, you could probably get away making it a little higher. Uh, so the fact that it's three and a half, even though you're talking road favorites, you know, it's the travel isn't as bad week one because they're not coming off another game. And I mean, it might be some of it. Uh, of course, they struggled a little bit against the Jaguars last year. You know, that was Mahomes' worst game uh, as a pro. I mean, and part of it could be that. I, for me, it's the total, the over under at fifty two. I mean, I get it. The Chiefs, you never know. They can you know put up a forty spot with ease, but it's the second highest total of the week. It felt me more like a like a fifty one or fifty one and a half, just because, you know, the Jaguars have a strong defense. The Chiefs have improved somewhat on defense. It, you know, the, the Jaguars are home. It's gonna I it strikes me as a close game. I just, you know, I, I thought that the, the over under struck me as a little high. Yeah, the Chiefs have brought in new guys on defense. You know, you got Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, you got Frank Clark helping out with the pass rush. And the Jaguars have seemingly again, uh, they're they're making it clear that they're going to try and get Fournette back to back to form, and I, I right. think they'll be running the ball more, doing some RPO stuff, which is I, I think the Jaguars' formula for victory in, in this game and in general is ball control and good defense, and that's usually uh, something that would shade the under rather than the over. Right. That that's really what struck out to me. I mean, I, again, not not crazy. But it struck me as 52 seems a little high, given what I think the game is likely to uh, unfold as. All right, let's move to the Packers at the Bears. The Bears here are laying three points. The over-under is at 46.5. Now, this has not moved from when this first came out months ago. It opened up with the Bears laying 3.5 and and the over-under at 46. So very, very minimal movement here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this, again, probably makes sense. Um, as far as the, the, uh, the spread, you know, division games early on, it makes sense to be three and a half. Uh, the total, 
The total again, yeah, 46 and a half. Uh, you're dealing with a couple, um, new variables with this Packers offense. Again, they, they seemingly haven't shown much with LaFleur. Uh, the dynamic between Rodgers and LaFleur is interesting. And the Bears don't have Vic Fangio anymore. So I think, I think there's a chance, especially Packers first half. I think the Packers are really going to have a chance to put up some points. Um, just because, you know, they're going to come in with that LaFleur offense that there's no tape on. And instead of going up against uh, Vic Fangio, they're going up against um, Chuck Pagano, which is is definitely a step down in my mind as far as the coordinator. Yeah, without question. Uh, but, you know, the other on the other side of the coin, the Packers defense is greatly improved too, right? I mean, they, they added a lot of pieces there. Last year when they, they played twice, when the Bears were at home, the Bears won 24-17. So, uh, you know, for me, again, you know, I feel like I've been talking much more about the over-unders generally with these things. But again, it, it, I kind of expected the over-under to be more like 45 and a half or somewhere like that. Because, But you raise a good point with Fangio. Um, so it's possible the Bears defense takes a little step back here. And we don't know exactly what the Packers offense is going to look yeah. like. So I, I think it's fair to me, uh, you know, when it stuck out, I, this is where it's going to end up, by the way. I mean, the bears are, are going to be laying at game time. The bears are going to be laying three and the over under is going to be at 46 and a half. I can almost guarantee you, yeah. which is fine. And it's around there, but I, I kind of thought it might be more at 45 and a half, 46. I, I could, I, I see where you're coming with that. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the Ravens at the dolphins. Now the Ravens are laying seven and the over under is at a ridiculously low 37 and a half. <laughs> Now, this opened up with a 37 over under, but the Ravens were actually laying three and a half when this first opened up. And I looked the other day and the Ravens were laying six and a half. It has now moved to seven. There are a ton of changes recently for the Dolphins. So what are your thoughts? Do you think that this is a where the the lines are going to end up at seven and 37 and a half or what? Yeah, I mean, I think what will happen is uh, it'll it'll stay at seven just because the anti-Dolphin sentiment from the betting public is so strong. I think it could even go up to if it goes anywhere. I think it could go to seven and a half. A hundred percent. That's um, where I think it ends up. Seven and a half. Yeah, that's where I see it closing. As I, I'd really be shocked if the under close if the total closes this low. But again, that's just based on the anti-dolphin sentiment. And yeah, so the trends are stuff I'm looking at when I'm handicapping this game. Home dogs historically, there's a bunch of value there. Again, the Dolphins were one of those Florida home teams. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something I'm factoring in. Lamar Jackson on the road. But the Dolphins, they just got rid of their left tackle. So that's, that's the other side. That's your of, thing. That's the other side of the handicap. And, uh, you know, Fitzmagic, who, uh, from what I've read, is going to be starting. He's, yeah, he's he a is. guy, he's a guy that, uh, you can tell him you're tanking, but this guy, <laughs> Especially early on or a couple games, he's going to be scrappy. The problem yeah. is this this Ravens defense is really strong. Earl Thomas seems to be kind of in FU mode. Um, <laughs> I mean, literally. The last time he was on the field, he was being carted off giving Pete Carroll the finger. <laughs> so he seems highly motivated. Th- those are kind of the things I'm looking to handicap. But as far as where I think it'll close, I didn't think the under – or sorry, the total – or the, the line will close higher to 7.5. And I think if you're going to bet the over, bet it now, because I do think it will go up a couple points. Yeah, I think that's fine. I think the over under, I think it'll stay roughly around where it is. I mean, again, if it goes anywhere, maybe half a point. But I agree. I, I will be shocked if this ends at the Ravens laying seven at this point. I mean, I think it's got to go up um, for all the reasons you talked about. It's just really difficult to see how the Dolphins are going to be able to put up any points whatsoever um, in this game. Steelers at the Patriots. Pats are laying five and a half. The over-under is at 50 and a half. This opened at the Pats laying six and the over-under at 51 and, and a half. So there's not too much movement here. What are your thoughts on this one? Let's see. Yeah, it, it's interesting. The Patriots are uh, they're one of the teams. You said the Pats, right? Yes, the Pats. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They're one of these teams that, I mean, A, they're the Patriots. They're amazing. But the, the when they have struggled, it has been early on right, right. It, you know september has been the rough month the steelers playing against the patriots that's always their super bowl that's the game they get up for when i'm betting i usually look at uh what will happen the steelers a lot of the time the game before they play the patriots they often overlook that game because they're so jacked up for the patriots the fact that they're playing the patriots the first uh game uh that i think actually is a huge benefit for the patriots or sorry for the steelers because 
they get so jacked up to play the Patriots, they can't overlook another team. And they've, you know, just basically spent the whole offseason with the Patriots on their uh, calendar there. Yeah, other than that, uh, I guess the number seems about right. I don't know. I It'll be interesting to see if there's any kind of crazy action one way or the other because it is Sunday night, so there could be some line movement as far as people looking to catch up from what happened during the day. Yep. But, and let's see, the total, yeah, again, probably, well, no, 50 and a half. Seems seems in the ballpark. Uh, Steelers have been able to show that they can just put up points. The real thing that's interesting is Ben Roethlisberger on the road. He's had some sure. He's had some wildly uh, poor performances, but then also he's thrown for five thousand yards. So he's kind of been a wild card on the road. Uh, Patriots at home and in Foxborough are just uh, you know machines when it comes to winning games and covering spreads. So I wouldn't be surprised. It's five and a half. Maybe it gets up to six. Uh, stuff usually doesn't close at five and a half. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets to six. It's definitely not going to get up to a full touchdown. And I don't see it getting down to four. Yeah. My reaction essentially is a giant shrug emoji. Um, I, I honestly, you know, these teams, they play each other hard. It, it's weird because it's the first game of the season. As you said, there's always build up to it. It did strike me as roughly 50, roughly five and a half, roughly six. I bet you that's probably where it stays. And I feel like, you know, in the end, we don't really know what these teams are going to look like. I do think, you know, the Patriots have a, a better defense, I think, than they've had in a couple of seasons. So I, I'm interested to see, you know, whether that total, if anything, maybe drops half a point. Um, but in the end, I think it's really tough to gauge this yeah, early in the and, season. And uh, primetime games where there's going to be more public action, especially teams like the Patriots and the Steelers, uh, two, I mean, listen, there's a reason it's on Sunday night, NBC's two huge fan bases that will really help the ratings. And, and drive a lot of action. And, you know, when the public gets involved, they're going to want to take the over. Simply, yep. be, it's simple, simple brain mechanics. It's not fun to root for the under. <laughs> uh, you know, everyone's probably got a bunch of their fantasy players, so they're rooting for scoring and action. So, uh, you know, uh, the, they're probably going to be people hitting the over. All right, let's move here to what I will call the uncertainty zone. Okay, there's a lot of moving parts that could have affected the lines, and I want to explore that a bit. And let's start with the Bengals at the Seahawks. The Seahawks here are laying nine points. The over-under is set at 44. Now, this originally opened at the Seahawks laying seven and a half points with a 43 and a half over-under. So what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I think um, that open at seven and a half was probably pre- AJ Green injury, but I do think a lot of this is, you know, the clowny news. So possibly it's a, it could be a little bit of an overreaction. But again, going from seven and a half to nine is usually just them kind of protecting themselves for teasers. Uh, and you got this Bengals team. It's a non conference road game in Seattle. Seattle, again, super tough place to uh, play. Pretty solid home field. I mean, it used to be amazing, it's cooled off as of late. So I wouldn't be surprised if this gets a little higher. Uh, people talk themselves into the Seahawks and Jadavian Clowney, you know, going to town on uh, Andy Dalton and the fact that the uh, Bengals don't have A.J. Green. I'm really high on Joe Mixon as a running back uh, this year. Mm -hmm. So I, I think if you could, if they can run the ball, uh, maybe they'll maybe they'll stay in this game. Forty four sounds about right. Yep. Um. I don't think there's going to be much crazy shift uh, as far as the total. But yeah, it seems to make sense. I think the total probably stays where it is. I could see it moving to nine and a half um, just because there's some positive news coming out of Seattle. Sounds like DK Metcalf might actually play and they re-signed uh, Jerron Brown. And I think Cordy Glenn is in the concussion protocol, so he may not play for the Bengals. So I think there's a lot of factors here that could certainly move the line a little bit more towards the Seahawks. So I think probably when all is said and done, it ends up at nine and a half. But I agree with you. I think 44 probably sounds like the right number. Let's move on now to the Giants at the Cowboys. The Cowboys are laying seven points and the over under is at 45 and a half. It opened pretty close to that. Cowboys minus seven and a half when it first came over. The over under was at 46 and a half. Now we've got a lot of uncertainty here, right? As we record, there's not quite as much optimism or, or now there might be more. It's changing by the minute as to whether Zeke signs. But even if he signs before week one, it's unclear what his workload is going to be. Amari Cooper is still a little bit of a question mark. So what are your thoughts here on the Cowboys laying seven and the over under at 45 and a half? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess this is kind of earlier we had talked about Robbie Anderson and and would he possibly move the line? And you look at Zeke Elliott, and I mean, maybe he moved that a half a point because it. I would be surprised he plays or at least plays his normal load at this point. You know, when we're recording this, so even Zeke Elliott, who's you know a huge part of the Cowboys' offense, he only maybe moved it a half. You could certainly make a case for. The fact that the Giants' offensive line looked better in preseason and, uh, you know, slight optimism coming out of Giants camp. There's also been a number of, you know, the Giants got uh, you know, Golden Tate suspended. Um, Sterling Shepard broke his thumb, although it seems like he's close to 100%. Yep. Their offensive line seems a little stronger. It, you know, the interesting thing here is, again, division game, that's a big number. Um, but, you know, the, the betting public is pretty down on Eli Manning as a quarterback and rightfully so. <laughs> so if that's, yeah. uh, if that's who the giants are going to try it out as a starter, I, I think plus seven makes sense. It certainly is not going to go below uh seven. Uh, Correct. If, if it's going to go anywhere, it'll go up to seven and a half, maybe eight. Uh, you know, if Zeke plays, maybe they'll bump it up to eight, but um, yeah. And, and the Marty Cooper thing, I, I think, a lot of people are talking about Zeke, whether he plays or not, as we're doing here. But I think if you if you look at the Cowboys' offense, what really impacts them more has been Amari Cooper playing or not playing. At least if you look at the numbers last year, he seemed to have a bigger impact, interestingly enough, on the offense. If you compare it to when Zeke has missed time the previous year. And plantar fasciitis is a uh, that's a red flag injury because a lot of times what happens is a guy thinks he can play or he does try and play and he's just, he's like 60% or like they, it's an injury where a lot of guys try and play through it, but are just very, they're just have no burst. And that's what you can really get in trouble. If you're talking about handicapping the game or setting a fantasy lineup, because yeah, they'll be listed as probable or questionable. And then you see they're out there and you're like, Oh, he must be all right. But that, that's a tricky lingering injury and, and definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and his history with it is not great. Um, when he when he's dealt with uh, issues around that area, he has not played all that well. So, out of curiosity, if it comes out that Cooper is going to miss the game, you st- you don't think it drops the line below seven, though, right? No, that's the thing. I yeah, I don't think it'll move the line, but I definitely think it should impact how you see the game going because I think if Zeke's out and Cooper's out, they're really going to be in trouble uh, as yeah, far no. as his skill positions and. And Cole Beasley was kind of a safety blanket. He doesn't have him there. Um, but the Cowboys... He's got Jason Witten back, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, Jerry Jones. Didn't want the Cowboys brand being tarnished every Monday night by hearing Jason Witten on the broadcast. Yeah, that's hey. exactly right. That It's not a bad move. I like his strategy. You no, know, hey, for, for... you know, protect the brand. Uh, I, that really seems like he just bailed him out. But yeah. um, Well, eh, good for him, at least. Hopefully he can at least contribute... Yeah, I wish my that. boss was uh, as, <laughs> as generous as Jerry Jones. Well, I hope your boss isn't listening to this. Then. <laughs> All right, Rams at the Panthers. Rams laying three. The over-under is at 50. It started at the Rams laying two and a half and an over-under of 51. Not too much movement here. We've, we've got Cam Newton's injury. It looks like he's going to be good to go, but what are your thoughts here? Yeah, and again, the, the line makes sense because it's a West Coast team going to the East Coast. Um, people are, have talked themselves into the Panthers once again. Uh, I'm really worried about Cam Newton. Like you watch Cam Newton before they shut him down last year, that shoulder, it just doesn't look right. And he like completely had to redo his throwing motion. And he listened to Ron Rivera and they're talking about how they're just going to have to manage him throughout the season. And that's just his shoulder. And then he had this weird foot sprain. I, I think he's got a lot of stuff to work through. On the other side, if you look at this um, Rams team, there is something if you lose the Super Bowl, that next season is really tough. And you look at the trend of teams coming off a Super Bowl loss, their ATS is not good. I don't, I, but I think the public is kind of high on both these teams. So, but obviously higher on the on the Rams, and that's why the spread is minus three for a road favorite. I don't think it's going to be shifted one way or the other. The only thing that could shift it is uh, if somehow Cam Newton is a late scratch. What happens, out of curiosity, to the line, do you think, if Newton is scratched? I think it would go up to, like, six and a half or seven. Okay. I mean, yeah. the thing is, which would be great for me, because I, I like I like Will Greer. 
Um, you know, obviously that's a, that's a tough first yeah. start for you sure. going up against the Rams, but uh, seven points is huge. And, but starting quarterbacks are really something that'll they'll automatically jump into the next key number. I feel like. Gotcha. All right, let's move on to the Texans at the Saints. The Saints here are laying seven. The over under is at fifty three and a half. This is pretty interesting because you were we've been talking about tackles of course but you've got essentially an offense that has entirely remade their team a little bit over the last few days they lost the Texans lost Lamar Miller and Jadavian Clowney they've added Laramie Tunsil and Duke Johnson and Kenny Stills and yet everything has stayed almost exactly where it is it opened at seven and a half so it's moved only half a point with the Saints now laying seven and the total has not moved at all it opened at 53 and a half that is the highest of the week so what's your reaction here to these lines I, I when I opened up the week one lines and I hadn't been tracking this line um you know the entire summer or whatever I I was shocked this was the most surprising line I, I honestly thought this was going to be like three and a half four you see why I kept it for yeah. one of our last right you see why it ranks so low on the boring meter no it, and I think it'll be I think it'll be an exciting game and just man last season when the Saints lost outright to the Tampa Bay Bucks. I go, what the hell? And then you look back at their history, and they've, uh, under Sean Payton, they've been horrible opening day and just early on in September. I, I don't know. He's, they suffer from the same thing that uh, the Patriots do. And this, to me, is shocking. The Texans come in highly motivated. Bill O'Brien is just saying, uh, he's like the... <laughs> He's like the drunk friend just uh you know doing whatever it takes at the end of the night to talk to talk to a girl or whatever cuz he is just clearly desperate and I I think that's I think that's it's just way too high like the Texans have a competent team Larry Tunsil I don't know if he's still going to start week 1 or whatever but I mean they were 11 and 5 last year like they're not they're not a tra- you know they should be getting more respect from the line I I was really shocked I, I could not. I couldn't agree more. And I, uh, when I looked at all the uh, lines that are available, I expected to see. All right, somebody's got to at least be at you know minus six or something like that. So not now they are in lockstep. It is all the Saints laying seven across the board, and I completely agree. I, I tried to look at it. Now I, I knew what it was originally, but I kind of put that in the back of my mind, and I looked. Yeah, this is more like the Saints laying four to me. You know, some somewhere yeah. around there, four and a half, somewhere three and a half, there. four. Yeah, it's not moving though. I mean, it hasn't moved at all. So this is where I mean, it's going mean, to be. Yeah, Drew Brees, uh, the second half. Uh, you know, after he took that crazy shot on Thanksgiving, he his numbers really dropped. I mean, he got rocked on that play and. He was way more hesitant pushing the ball downfield, and uh, perhaps we're kind of seeing him on the downward slide uh, at the edge of his career. And Deshaun Watson, by all accounts, fully healthy. Uh, you know, he hasn't he had the whole offseason to really get uh, right physically. Um, they brought in Duke Johnson, and it just Bill O'Brien is just you know <laughs> coaching with some urgency and just yeah, he's going for it, doing whatever. I, I wouldn't be if I'm a Texans fan. I'm seriously worried about their long-term prospects. But you just got to block all that out, man. Yeah. You got to just push all your chips in for this year. If you're a Texans fan, all I can say is enjoy this season. <laughs> yeah, let's hope it goes. Let's hope it goes better than uh, than uh, what your next several years in the draft is going to look like. So, yeah, uh, all right, let's let's finish up here with what I, I felt like was the most interesting game just because of, of Andrew Luck and everything that happened, and that's the Colts at the Chargers. The Chargers are currently laying six and a half, and the over-under is at 45. So, you know, originally when Luck was, you know, they thought Luck was healthy, or even with some of the question marks, the Chargers were laying three and a half, and it was a 48-point total. Now, when the Luck news broke, this initially moved the line from three and a half to the Chargers laying seven and a half, but it's gone down at this point to six and a half. I mean, is this just sort of, is this money coming in? Is it anything to do with the Melvin Gordon situation? What do you think it is? And at the line at six and a half, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is the most interesting game, right? And I think they've probably found the right number. I wouldn't, I think I could get to an even seven. It's a it's a weird line history because it, it almost seemed like too much of a reaction when Luck was out because yeah, Jacoby Brissett was in the system. He's gotten a bunch of reps. They have a solid team around him. The Chargers have no home field advantage. Again, they're also missing their left left tackle. So that should be a, a, a concern and something to factor in. 
Um, you know, they, but Chargers always deal with these random injuries. The Chargers haven't looked great opening day as well. They've gotten off to slow starts. The Colts are really well coached. Uh, Frank Reich, good, uh, he's just a solid coach. I think the Colts, in a weird way, uh, if I was just, you know, looking at the emotional handicapping of this game, the Colts, I do think, rally around and, and this is kind of like, hey, win one for us, show people we're more than Andrew Luck. Like, it feels like they're coming in with something to prove. I think seven is probably, I, I think, where it would close, uh, eventually because, once the public gets involved in this game and does the math that, you know, Andrew Luck's not the coach, or sorry, not the quarterback anymore, or the coach, maybe he'll one day become a coach <laughs> right. after his, after his backpacking adventures are done. Uh, as far as the total, yes, uh, 45, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of right in the middle. I think they're, and if you look around, this is probably one of the, one of the bigger totals that has discrepancies. Like you know, I'm, I'm over at betting pros and I'm seeing 47 and a half to 44 and a half or mm-hmm. even 43 and a half, uh, but you're paying a little juice on that minus 130. So I, I think they're throwing this total out to kind of see where the market goes. Uh, because I, I don't think the, the people setting the lines have a great idea as to how this Colts offense is going to look a lot of uncertainty. So I would think this is kind of at 45. I wouldn't be surprised if it, uh, if it goes down rather than up. Yeah, I, to me, th- I think this is roughly where it's going to end up. I, I would think that the line, um, the spread is probably going to be at seven um, when all things are said. And, and again, same thing with the over-under. With the spread, you can get it at plus seven at certain places. You can get it at plus six at some places. I mean, I, yeah. I, don't really I mean, think I saw, they know what to do. I saw, like when the luck news happened, I saw as high as nine and a half some places. So, I mean, that's crazy. Just comparing a nine and a half point spread to a six and a half point spread when in between there, no news has occurred. uh, I think they're really struggling to find the market for this number. Yeah. If I was running a sports book, I would set it at seven and just walk away. I I completely agree. I think of all the numbers, this is the one that I I can see changing probably the most. I mean, I could see it. I think it's probably going to end up at seven and I think it'll stick at 45. But I could see it moving more just because it really feels throughout this entire thing like they don't really know how to get a handle of it. You yeah, know? They're just I, I kinda... think they're I think they're letting the volume really dictate this one. Sometimes they'll, you know, they'll, they'll they won't be afraid to take a position or a side or or based on seeing you know where the money's coming in really kind of weigh in. But this one, I, I think they're kind of just leaving it out there for the public to figure out. Yep, that's why it was the most interesting lines, my friend. That's why I said it that Great way. Great call. Thanks, man. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. Sean, it was really great having you on. I really hope we can do it again during the season. Awesome, man. Yeah. Drop me a line and uh, you don't have to twist my arm to talk about NFL gambling. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks again to the sponsor of today's show, PlayMGM. Remember to download the PlayMGM sports app and use the promo code Harris to get your risk-free first wager of up to $100. And if you've been listening to this podcast regularly, you know that we had an August contest where we were giving away an autographed Christian McCaffrey helmet. I am going to randomly select a winner, and I will announce it on our next show. And if that winner is not you, don't get down. We're going to be running another similar contest for September. And if you left a review for the podcast and sent it in already, you are automatically entered. We'll be back later this week giving some of our best bets for week one. Until then... Enjoy your last few days without football.